When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. It's been a very, very, very long day here <laughs> in Lions Universe, Ben. Hi. Are you, uh, how you doing? <laughs> I'm, a, you know what, man? The hard knocks timing has been pretty brutal the last couple of weeks. You know, for the first time, we're staring at each other virtually because I think we each had a collective 42 seconds of free time between about 50 posts on cut day today. But enough on that already for sure. But yeah, we're feeling the grind, baby. Yeah. So it's Tuesday night. Lions wrapped up their, their cut to 53 earlier in the day. Always an eventful day. And then compounded by. Hard Knocks running tonight. So we're back with our review of that. It's obviously a lot, just a lot going on, Ben. Training camp is in the books. The Lions have made the cut to 53. Because of the timing of everything, they couldn't get the actual cuts into Hard Knocks this week. We'll see that next week in the finale. But this week, I thought they did a decent job of setting up the drama, right? Of the whole process of what goes into these evaluations, like what's taken into consideration, some of the actual deliberations between Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes and their staffs and how that works. And then, of course, we got some good looks at players who run that bubble, most notably David Blau and Tim Boyle for the backup job. So, Ben, just like we've done for the last couple episodes, but I'm just curious first off your take on this episode did you like it what do you think they they did well you know what it was a solid episode it was another solid episode like you said they did a fine job of capturing this kind of somber tense moments leading into cut day and like you said they, they had a pretty inopportune publishing date on their episode too with this being cut day but i thought they did a really nice job of working with what they had to paint that quarterback battle and i thought it was pretty awesome that we actually got to see dan campbell saying what the f at tim boyle's first half passes and stuff like that so i mean with what they had and with kind of how the storylines were going and the timing of the episode pretty good job to make the blau boyle stuff like the position battle of hard knocks but yeah i think it's pretty clear what the standout moments of this episode is is whenever you got a peek inside a coach's room talking about guys on the roster even the peek at brad holmes you know welcome addition to the show this week that added another element to it so yeah it was just those moments inside the coach's room continue to stand out above the rest and i don't know if it's because we've heard it seen it over and over again over the last month but the stuff that we don't get to see is obviously going to be my favorite aspect of each episode. I think what I learned in this episode was not to put icy hot <laughs> on my on my man bits. I'm not sure exactly what words we're allowed to use, but you got me. That I definitely laughed at that even after a long day. I'm with you. To me, the best moment in the whole, well, to me as a journalist who's covering it, you know, we have different perspectives and fans do, but I guess the journalist in me 
immediately was drawn to that moment on the sideline that you referenced where Tim Boyle throws yeah. the pick and just you just like I mean you heard it from Dan Campbell in the episode. I'm just gonna quote him. What the fuck? That, that's what he said. And we're up in the press box saying the same thing. <laughs> After folks at home watching the game on the TV back home are saying the same thing. It's one of those like moments from the meme, right? Where it's like, they're just like us, just like us. <laughs> that was one of those moments. And I think TV maybe said more about what happened with the decision to pull Boyle then. But in the press box, we didn't know that... Tim Boyle was actually pulled from the game. I, I guess, like, in my mind, how I saw it play out, I saw Tim Boyle get three series with the starters. Then I saw David Blau get two series with the starters. Starters leave, and then the second half, they rotate again. To me, it just looked like a kind of an even split, and maybe it could have actually been intentional with how they set it up to give both those guys honest looks with the first team going into that decision. But now that we know... Tim Boyle was supposed to play that entire first half and was actually pulled by Dan Campbell in that moment. I mean, that's bad. That's really bad. And I, it, make, it gives more context, and more understanding to what Campbell told me after the game. I'd asked him, I think it was the first question in the whole press conference. And if it wasn't the first, it was the second. And I'd asked him, you know, obviously, Dan, you there's a lot of questions you had about the quarterback coming into this final game. What did you see from those guys? You wanted to see them make plays. What did you see? And he just kept using the word, you know, we got clarity. We got clarity. And he wouldn't say anything more specific than that. And I, I followed up with, is your backup quarterback on this roster? Or are you going to be looking for a new one next week? And he re reverted to the same ambiguous language. Let me to, you know, it led me to think, Ben, that Boyle was in trouble and that Blau wasn't safe either. And now Boyle is gone and Blau is the backup for now. I guess we'll see what happens in the next couple of days. But to me, that was the most interesting part of the whole episode because it actually gave us some context to what we were seeing with our, our own eyes in the moment and then giving some meaning to the, some of the cryptic stuff that, that Campbell was saying after the game. Yeah, and just, I mean, hearing him say that stuff, what he told you after the game to the coaches on the headset, like when Pimpleton drops that ball, we're finding out about guys today. We're getting clarity on guys today. And shoot, David Blau, I mean, obviously he was feeling it, feeling the vibe of the direction stuff we're going for him. I mean, it's pretty rare to see David Blau talk some smack, but telling our cornerback for the Steelers, you're soft, man. That was like, I expected that to be bleeped out in his universe. But uh, dude, Craig, I mean, shout out to Craig Reynolds for a 17-yard run after putting Icy Hots on his private. I mean, I told you and Justin Rogers in a side chat, I've done that before. That's a freaking nightmare, man. You get it on there, the spandex just kind of spreads it around where you don't want it. it it just, that's a nightmare. So hats off to Craig Reynolds, but uh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and the boil, the blouse stuff. I mean, that was the focus, the position battle, the bubble focus of this one. And it's just seeing Dan Campbell's exasperation in real time on the sideline for the guy that always seemed like the coach's preference to be the backup and to lose the job to, I don't know. David Blau, it's just like, as much as we know they'd like David Blau, we just never saw that coming. And I, I thought the episode really captured the somber moments, you know, the tone change. Every time when Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell were in the office, the music at the end, I thought, this is a tough day around the league in inner circles. And it was nice to see them tread sensitively and treat the day with the somber atmosphere it deserved. Well, I just think from the outside looking in, we get so used to seeing all of these as transactions, right? Bullet points and journalists speak, it's agate, right? That's like the word from the old school days where like box scores, which just so-and-so is in, so-and-so is out. You see it so many times for so many years and you kind of lose the human element mm -hmm. to it. And that's something Brad Holmes had mentioned in this episode of Hard Knocks. These are guys losing their jobs. These are guys losing their dreams in some cases. You know, got Cleo Pimpleton. I know I wasn't a huge fan of Hard Knocks choosing him as having a, a multi-episode arc, especially at the expense of guys like Tom Kennedy and some other bubble players. But 
it gives you an insight into this is a 21, 22 year old kid trying to realize his dreams and he's blazing fast, Ben. So maybe he'll stick on the practice squad here or elsewhere. For a guy like that, this could be the end of the road. Same thing with being the Eze. I know the guy that we've seen in Hard Knocks. Like, this might be the end of the road for that guy. He wasn't very good. Lions have a lot of depth on the offensive line. Like, the, the, this could be the end of the NFL dream for that, a guy like that. That's a, it's a serious thing. It's not just a matter of a transactional point on a, on a set of data. And they gave us a look into that. Just shifting gears a little bit. I also really enjoyed getting at least a little, I, I mean, it was pretty general, but at least getting a little bit of insight into their process for actually making these decisions. They walked us through it just a little bit. So basically, coaches get in one room, not just coaches, but front office people as well. And so they'll start with a position group like receivers. And then the position coach will go first. So in this case, Antoine Randall, and he'll rank the guys one through whatever. Yeah. And then they go to the personnel side. So like scouts and the people above scouts, pro personnel director and so forth. And those guys will do the same thing, which is actually interesting to me because one thing you get to know being around this game is that you know, it's a complicated game, right? Like two people can see the same thing differently. And that's just, that's true within a team too. And sometimes the coaches will have a different perspective than the personnel guys and their opinions will differ. It's interesting to hear the coaches will go first, then the personnel guys right afterward. And then the coordinators will kind of speak up after that and weigh in, give like the final say on, on say, for example, receivers. And then the decision goes to Brad and Dan. And they've got the whiteboard. And of course, you couldn't see much. And I thought it was pretty interesting how <laughs> ambiguous they were speaking. Like they knew cameras were on them. So they were like not even using names and stuff. Obviously, just trying to avoid some of the headlines you've seen from previous years where they're cutting guys in national team or whatever. We didn't, we didn't get that kind of drama then, but we did get some a little bit of insight into how they make these deliberations. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Absolutely. I mean, my the one that I was like shocked we got to see was Campbell and the coaches discussing Craig Reynolds' future where Dan Campbell literally says, we're not going to find anything else about Craig that we don't already know. Would we be sick to our stomach if we lost him? And throws that question at the room as there's that awkward pause. And like, I felt that awkward pause at home. Holy shit, this is some insider stuff right here. And I think it was John Morton, an offensive coach. He was just like, no, that dude's everything we represent. And then Deuce Daly immediately chimes in saying, yup, the same. Hank Fraley, the offensive line coach, even says, my guys love blocking for that dude. That's the beauty of hard knocks right there. That felt like such a true inside look at just the relationship between, like what you were saying, the process that Holmes laid out. Campbell literally just having a conversation with the coaches in his room, all the coaches in his room, just to see how do the offensive line guys feel about blocking for Craig Reynolds. Like, that's just so, that's the beauty of hard knocks right there is just scenes like that. That was some real inside stuff and just was went so much deeper than you would expect for sure. Yeah, I thought I thought Hard Knocks did a good job with the Craig Reynolds story. We saw a multi-episode arc with a guy who was in a safe place on the roster, but I wouldn't say guaranteed a roster spot, at least from the outside looking at it. Obviously, he did a lot mm -hmm. to impress the coaches, but you know, he wasn't on firm ground. He wasn't Jamal Williams, for example. So they did a nice job with that story. There, there was definitely a few others as well that I enjoyed too, player arc-wise. But I thought, and we've heaped a lot of praise on the, on the series and on this episode, and I think it's fair. We've gotten a look at this team and how things work that we wouldn't get otherwise without them. Hard Knocks has done some good stuff in that way. Let's get to some criticism, though, because I do have some quibbles with the show. Most notably, we alluded to it before, but just the players they've chosen to spotlight. Um, and a good example is the two. I mean, they've made an effort to explore the bubble. And I would say the three guys they've really shown is Craig Reynolds, which makes a lot of sense. I like what they did. And then Obina Eze and Cleo Pimpleton. So two of the three bubble guys they chose to represent the entire roster bubble weren't even on the bubble, in my opinion. 
Like Pimpleton didn't have a shot. Eze didn't have a shot. And yet we got two episode arcs from both of those guys to represent a bubble. It just didn't really make sense to me, especially when it's coming at the expense of guys like Tom Kennedy, Trinity Benson, Jamar Jackson. Shane Zilstra was not even mentioned in four episodes. And he was like, I think, a classic example of a guy squarely on the on the roster bubble. They really wanted an offensive lineman. They could have gone with Tommy Kramer, roster bubble, Logan Stenberg, roster bubble. If you want feel-good stories like Demetrius Taylor, like great nickname and saw it off. Clearly a coach's favorite. He's a UDFA, like your classic like rags to riches kind of story, which makes for good TV. I was the only, like Demetrius Taylor was supposed to do a press conference last week. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, and nobody went to him. And uh, they were talking to somebody else, I forget who, and they like PR basically told them, yeah, you're good. You don't even have to do this. And I like felt bad and also had some just questions for him. So I just walked over. So his press conference turned into a one-on-one between me and him because nobody wanted to talk to him. And he was like pretty interesting to talk to actually, Ben. And he told me not only did he go undrafted, but there was one team that called him about even signing as a UDSA, one, and it was the Detroit Lions. That was it. Nobody else called him. He goes from not getting drafted and only having one team even wanting to sign him as a UDSA to making the damn team. Like That's like a really compelling bubble storyline that it's like he doesn't even exist to hard knocks. And there's a bunch of guys like that, a bunch. And listen, it's a five- one-hour episode show. It's a mini-series, and they have a lot of things to address. And they're trying to also play this out for a national audience and not just a football audience, like crossover appeal. So I get it. You don't want to get into the granular, up into the weeds about a, like a backup defensive tackle. I get it. But I just thought their choice of bubble guys. I like Khalil Pimpleton seems like a really good guy, and it's cool that he can juggle and stuff. But it's hard to build drama with a guy who's at the very end of the deepest position on the whole team. Yeah, and they could have built better drama with guys like a Tom Kennedy at the same at the exact same position, but actually had a chance to make the team. And for all the right reasons too, Ben, it's like he. It's not like he was a talented guy who was just loafing around and found himself on the bubble. He did every goddamn thing that the coaches wanted. He's a try-hard guy. He did. He executed every assignment in front of him. He simply wasn't talented enough, and so he got cut because the lines are that much better this year, particularly his position. But he played himself back into that like picture right onto the bubble because he did all the right things. That's a story that people can gravitate toward, and I wish we would have seen more of that, basically, because I like what they did with Craig Rounds. I just wanted to see more of it. And I'll just add on that, I mean, the Obuna Ize highlights, I mean, that was like a low-light reel. That was brutal. I mean, the both times they showed clips from the game, so it's like, not only was that not a truly compelling story, it's just like, my God, like, this didn't help anybody in this scenario. But, I mean, on your point that this is one-hour five episodes covering a month. And I feel like there's been some wasted opportunities like last week with the joint practices. It's like a quick montage section. And then you get 10 minutes with a stand-up comedian. Tonight we get a weird, low energy, strange juggler section with Khalil Pimpleton. I mean, Pimpleton was already heavily focused, like you said, and now we're getting a a one-on-one juggling session. That's not what we're here for. That is not what we're here for. I would have liked to see more from that player-led practice or even more from that night practice with the offense and the defense going at each other. There's no way Aaron Glenn wasn't chirping like a madman on that sideline that night after hearing Ben Johnson who, hello, Ben Johnson made an appearance, so shout out Ben Johnson, was saying that Aaron Glenn was so pissed off at him, he wouldn't even talk to him in the hallway. You you sucked me in with that. I want more of that. Jared Goff saying 
to Davy Blau. Oh, Glenn is pissed off. Blau saying, yeah, he's sending the house at us today. He's super pissed off. I want more of that. Aaron Glenn is one of your, this team's, this roster's, this coaching staff's like most entertaining like characters. I feel like they teed stuff up and just didn't hit it. Kind of like what you were saying with Tom Kennedy, Campbell's speech about having two buckets type of guys. The guy who does everything right, but doesn't have the talent to make the roster. How do we not get a cut to Tom Kennedy and then a five minute segue on him? Who knows? Maybe Tom wasn't <laughs> interested in participating. I'm curious to know about that. The last two times I think we talked to him, he said he we had one minute because he had to go talk to his family. So he's never too excited to talk to the media. So I wonder about that. But obviously, I still no Jeff Okuda. We got a PR swiping up the brush of Jared Goff tonight outside of a cool one-on-one with Dan Campbell. So that was nice to get a taste of the starting quarterback. It was nice to see him and Campbell I, talking in a moment. I did yeah, Get in here. Yeah, that was good. Just like, man, you're on fire right now. And it's kind of, we hear Goff say the things that we've been writing, like, without hearing him say it, that he's confident, that he's fueled by these guys that are going up and getting the ball. He's actually got receiving weapons this year. So it was nice to see his personality. It was actually nice to hear him say the things that we've been seeing for sure, because that's been missing. And Obviously, well, Jeff Okuda. <laughs> I just, for me, I don't know, maybe it's misguided for me then, but like I take a lot more value out of hearing a coach say something to another coach or a coach say something to a player than I do a coach at a press conference. And maybe that's just me being conditioned from years of coach speak to feel that way, particularly after the Patricia years. It, it was unreal, some of the things that he would say. And then I would hear the things that he was saying behind closed doors or doing and how different it was. It was a farce. He treated the media responsibilities and the media in general. That's a different story. But <laughs> we can always go down that. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like with, with Campbell, it's a lot more authentic in the staff. So it's not that I don't trust them, but it's like Dan saying something in a press conference is one thing. But hearing Dan say to Jared Goff, like just having this conversation about how awesome Jared Goff is looking, like that feels way more genuine and authentic and real, like based on something real. Like, like that's not, if Jared Goff was terrible in practice, you can't just organically have this conversation about how awesome he's doing, how great all these receivers are looking. And I, and I love Goff's response. And I put this in my analysis from this episode where basically Campbell is just telling him how, how great he's looking in practice. And Goff's, yeah, like, these guys are going up and catching passes. Like it gives me confidence. And that to me, Ben, you know, it's something we've addressed before, but it gets to the other side of the equation with Jared Goff. When he was struggling last year and not throwing the deep ball and not getting anything going and all this stuff, like we really pointed the finger at Anthony Lynn a little bit, of course, the uh, offensive quitter back then, but really Goff bore the brunt of it. And the stories were about how he loved the the check down in LA and he didn't have a lot of air yards and all this stuff. And then when he came to Detroit, it was more of the same. And in this heaping on, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody else, yeah. I think we overlooked the fact that he had guys starting from that re- receiver like Kadero Hodge, Geronimo Allison. I mean, Tom Kennedy played 12 games last year. <laughs> Tom Kennedy couldn't get a spot on this team this year, you know? Quintez Cephas was the number one receiver for Detroit last time he was healthy in uniform. Today, he eked out of the roster as the last receiver. That's how much further along this like receiver group is. And ta-da, like, Jerry Goff's playing a lot better. And I think the talent around him has a lot to do with it. But also, you have to give him credit because he persevered through a lot last year. I think he was a pretty good soldier when it came to the criticism that he was like shouldering for like everything that was. And again, I'm not absolving him. He was bad then, but there's a lot of reasons for him being bad there outside of his own like control. And now we're seeing like a better situation for him and we're seeing a much better Jared Goff. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. And that was a cool moment in practice because for me, it really it just brought home a lot of things we've been seeing and hearing around Ellen Park. 
Absolutely. And I think Mark Brunel said it pretty well about him in the coach's room too. He likes what we're doing and he likes who he's doing it with, which is great for a quarterback and he's making some incredible throws. And I think we're getting a glimpse of what he's going to be for us this year. So obviously more on that, more on the weapons surrounding him, but uh, you know, enough to hit the nail on the head out that, but obviously it was kind of the episode, you know, we learned a lot. You got a somber look at cut day. We got to see Brad Holmes, got to see Ben Johnson and golf and obviously we have our concerns with the bubble players. Obviously, the Craig Reynolds stuff was really good. You know, there's some funny moments and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, the show, they do a good job of mixing in the comedy because this is like a naturally funny staff. You got Deuce Daly and Jared Goff taste testing the Gatorade on the sideline. They put water on this. I, I did get quite the laugh out of Frank Ragnow not understanding Obina Eze's joke. What should you do if you get grab- attacked by a group of clowns? Go for the juggler. Nice little fraily moment. You got to take it slow with guys from Minnesota sometimes. So I don't know what's what else to say about the episode other than I'm jealous that we weren't there for food truck day this year. Somebody owes me a lobster roll. But uh just think the standout moments are the standout moments. Those they're those insider unique moments like Pimpleton walking off the field just talking to himself about being grateful for the opportunity. Reynolds and Brock Wright saying no matter what happens, love you, bro, and stuff like that. It's the, the show has is beautiful in those moments. Obviously, it gets repetitive for guys like us who spend every day with the team. But uh, yeah, some missing parts for sure. But they keep it light. They do a good job of checking into the mood. And I feel like from a national perspective, it has to be an entertaining watch from a national perspective. All right. I'm tired. You're tired. Let's get out of here. <laughs> one, more, one more hard knocks left. Okay. Next week, Tuesday, 10 p.m. We'll be all over it. And then it's um, into week one. And uh, Lions, Eagles, I know we're both excited to get the show on the road. It's uh, intriguing stuff from the Lions. And we're getting a nice look at it in hard knocks. Ben, good stuff. And uh, I'll see you next week. Yep. Get some sleep. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.